Last year, South Africa really pulled out all the stops in an effort to avoid being grey-listed by the Financial Action Task Force. Unfortunately, the inevitable happened and we did end up on the watch list, together with Nigeria. One of the efforts was to amend existing legislation pertaining to the combating of terrorism financing and money laundering. The Trust Property Control Act was one of the acts that were amended. We have Louis van Vieren, CEO of the Fiduciary Institute of Southern Africa, to explain some of the concerns they have with the changes. Louis, an important change relates to the beneficial ownership. Please explain what has changed. The change to the Trust Property Control Act relating to beneficial ownership entails a new definition that was inserted into Section 1 of the Trust Property Control Act. The definition of beneficial owner includes the founder of the trust, all trustees of the trust, and all beneficiaries mentioned by name in the trust, in the trust instrument, uh, that is the trust deed, the court order, or the will of deceased person if it is a testamentary trust. Now, the implications of this is that the trustee under a newly inserted Section 11A of the Trust Property Control Act will have to hold a register of all the beneficial owners of all the trusts that such a trustee is a trust on and also under the regulations uh, that is in the process of being promulgated under the Trust Property Control Act will have to report this into an online facility at the Master of the High Court. The um, beneficial owner is also not only those persons that I mentioned, the founder, the trustees, and all beneficiaries mentioned by name, but if any of these happen to be a legal person, then what is also required of the trustee is to establish who the natural person or persons happen to be who are in effective control or who are the owners of such an entity which qualifies as a beneficial owner. The problems with that is, of course, you can imagine if the trustee is a beneficial owner and that trustee is a company which is part of a group of companies, it can become quite impractical and almost impossible to find out who the natural persons are that are the effective owners of a listed company, for instance. Louis, perhaps you could give us a practical example of why that is a problem. Well, let's assume that the trustee or that one of the trustees of a trust is a trust company and that that trust company is a subsidiary of, of let's say, one of the big banking groups in South Africa. If you now have to find out who are the natural persons who are the owners of that banking group, that basically means the whole share register of a listed company. How will this impact the role of trustees then? Well, it will severely increase the compliance burden on trustees. There are other 
examples of where the compliance burden could become quite impractical. For instance, one of the parties listed as a beneficial owner under this new definition is the founder of the trust. Now, in practical terms, that could become quite impossible to comply with the legislation and the regulations. Because to, to record the particulars of that beneficial owner, the founder of the trust, can be almost impossible in certain circumstances. Now, I've recently been informed of a very practical example of this, where the trust was originally set up in the early 1990s. The professional trustee took up trusteeship of this trust in 2015. I think the trust was initially set up in 1991. That's 24 years after the setup of the trust. Now, this professional trustee now has to establish the contact details and the personal details of the founder of this trust. And in this particular case, nobody knew who the founder was because in the early 1990s, it was quite common practice for, let's say, the legal secretary of the attorney who drafted the trust deed to act as founder of the trust. There were very particular reasons for that in those days. But you can understand that it is now almost impossible for somebody who takes up trusteeship on an old trust like that to establish who that person was and what that person's personal details and contact details, address, telephone numbers, email address, etc. would be. A further example where we believe the requirements of the legislation is not very practical is one of the sources of trust in South Africa is a court order. And, and that is particularly used in the case of medical negligence and road accident fund claims, where a trust is set up for the beneficiary of such a claim, and that trust is set up via a court order. Now, the question arises, who is now the founder of that trust? Is it the court, the institution? Is it the particular judge who issued the court order? We, we simply don't know. And the level of detail that is required to be reported under the draft regulations will make it extremely difficult for a trustee to comply with the requirements of the legislation and the regulations. Louis, this sounds like an absolute nightmare, but what will this mean for trusts going forward? Well, it will, as I said, make the job of a trustee much more difficult, but it also has the potential to infringe on the rights of trust beneficiaries, of founders of trusts, of the trustees. As an example, many times in a discretionary trust, the trustees have the power under the provisions of the trust instrument, the, the deed, the court order, or the uh, will of a deceased person to 
add and remove beneficiaries. And there are very good, valid and legal reasons why this should be done. As an example, a grandfather could leave in his will assets to a testamentary trust to be formed and the beneficiaries of such a trust could be that grandfather's grandchildren. But the trust instrument could stipulate that if a particular grandchild inherits money from another source, that that child could be removed as a beneficiary of that trust. All good and well, the trustees will then obviously have the power to remove such a beneficiary, except that we have case law in South Africa, a 2011 Supreme Court of Appeals judgment in the case of Potgieter versus Potgieter, where the Supreme Court of Appeals stated the trust law in South Africa to mean that once a beneficiary has accepted benefits, that beneficiary cannot be removed. Now, consider the following possibility. A grandchild such as the one in my example learns through this reporting that the trustee now has to do, learns that I am a beneficiary on this trust. The beneficiary decides this is very good and writes an email to the trustee saying, thank you very much. I accept the benefits. Once that is done, that beneficiary can never be removed again. So the concern is that the records that are kept may not be secure enough at the offices of the master that the information will not leak out to a beneficiary of a trust. And once the beneficiary knows, the beneficiary can accept and can then never be removed as a beneficiary of that trust again, according to the case law that I referred to. Is there also concerns about the privacy of beneficiaries and the potential danger to them? Absolutely. The European Court on Human Rights delivered a judgment in 2022 where a well-known business person, the particulars of this person had to be reported under Luxembourg law to the, the equivalent in Luxembourg of our financial intelligence center. And the law there provided for such particulars to be public information. The European Court for Human Rights ruled that that is an unacceptable infringement on the privacy of such a person the argument by this business person was that it exposes the person and his or her family to the risk of attack and kidnap. And the European Court for Human Rights agreed with that and ordered Luxembourg to change its disclosure laws. The other concern is, of course, that the draft regulations published under the Trust Property Control Act, the amended Trust Property Control Act, requires that the Master of the High Court must create an online facility where trustees can report the particulars 
of any beneficial owner of the trust and in the draft regulations those particulars include the full names the date of birth the nationality the id number the residential address the address for service of notices and legal documents other means of contact the grounds on which the person is a beneficial owner of the trust the date on which the person became a beneficial owner of the trust and where applicable the date on which the person ceased to be a beneficial owner of the trust now we've already had a ransomware attack on the systems of the master of the high court in september october 2021 therefore the risk of a data breach is always there and now have this on an online system obviously creates risk for not only the trustee but also the beneficiaries of all trusts let me just pause here to also say that this whole concept of a beneficial owner of a trust is totally foreign to south african trust law it is a term that was taken over from the anglo-american legal systems the legal systems of britain and the and the united states and it actually materially in south african law means nothing it uh, south african law of property recognizes universal ownership which is functionally indivisible you cannot have a legal owner and a different beneficial owner of property in south african property law louis given what you've just told us do you foresee the possibility that these amendments may be challenged in court i think it's certainly possible if the particular regulation can be shown not to be rationally connected to the purpose of the legislation and the legislation itself cannot be rationally connected to the purpose for which it was promulgated our concern is around the fact that the same information is required repeatedly to different state entities and state departments the same information that is required by the master of the high court when a trust is registered has to be reported again to the master if the trustee is also an accountable institution and there are certain requirements for that in the financial intelligence center act the trustee also has to report information to the financial intelligence center there is also information that is required to be reported to sars for tax purposes and it is reporting the same information over and over again on different platforms to different organs of state and it is quite possible i think that somebody somewhere down the line is going to say well this is just becoming too much let's test this in court what the outcome of that could be is anybody's guess some serious food for thought there thank you louis van fieren ceo of the fiduciary institute of southern africa